Welcome to season two of the Suffer Strong podcast. You've got a seat at our table each week as we sit down with some of our favorite thinkers and doers to explore the surprising intersection of two seemingly divergent themes in the context of God's upside down kingdom. Join us as we learn to survive anything by redefining everything. And this time, we brought friends. Today, we're having a conversation with our buddy, Scott Erickson, about re-narrating our stories of both failure and healing. Scott is an artist and theologian who has illuminated our personal spiritual journeys for years through his Visio Lectios. These simple visual prayers somehow sum up our most sweeping thoughts about God and ourselves. Join us as we find the place where failure and healing meet, particularly in this season where death of expectations has left space for healing and ultimately for new life. Hey, we're so glad to have (laughs) our buddy Scott Erickson in conversation today on the Suffer Strong Season 2 podcast. And we are melding um, two ideas from our book, Suffer Strong. Um, Sort of this idea that suffering is sort of the space between the expectations of our life and the reality of it. And we can't control, you know, what our life might look like, but we can control how we react to it Mm -hmm. and uh, how we learn to maybe even love it in the midst and Mm -hmm. uh, find strength certainly doing that within community. And so um, we've been kind of, we're doing a remix on on some of the content of the book. A remix. Um, a remix. remix. Look at you DJs go. Yeah. We, look, we totally have the DJ vibe. Totally. And um, we are going to talk today, Scott, with you about remixing failure and healing. And I know it sounds like a backhanded compliment to say, uh, who can we talk about failure with? <laughs> oh, wait, Scott Erickson. <laughs> because you're not a failure in the least. No, um, gosh. But you're no. one of our, our wise teachers. Yeah, um, the voices who's talking about these things. Yeah, we love mm-hmm. how you see the world and God and ourselves in it. And, um, you know, what do we do with our failure? And certainly yeah. the fear and the losses bound up in that Yeah. Uh, as we are on this kind of collective road to healing, too. So anyway, that's sort of the that's the idea. And I, uh, I can't wait I to hear what, what you say about it. But, um, you know, just to jump in. Um, well, first, I want to jump in to ask you, you just had a huge transition in your life, in the life of your family. How are you guys doing? During COVID, no less. Right. Yeah, um, during COVID. We're, we're good. I mean, we've, we love, we're, so we're, yeah, we moved from the Portland area to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we started uh, instigating that, it was right when, like, the week we were moving is when, like, states were starting to shut down. And so we snuck yeah. out of uh, the Pacific Northwest and made it mm. here and arrived to a city that was, you know, silent and closed down and mm. nobody around. Welcome. Yeah. yeah and it was, welcome. And, and still, like, it's a city that is at a lower capacity. You know, it's not... It's a lot of the things that make Austin, Austin, like last weekend was supposed to be Austin city limits and it's not happening. And so, um, but we have some really good friendships here and we're in a house and our, our kids are in school. And so things are, things are thriving for us. I'm, I now have a studio space here where I'm working. My wife's doing things. And so we're good. We're good. good. Yeah. But it was a rough, it was a rough go. Um, a lot of, a lot of low places in that yeah. first month. Right? <clears throat> no kidding. Oh I think about all the. Yeah. My, my grandmother died in COVID, and we were able to gather for the, a funeral uh, mm. outside. You know, actually, we're in the same place where she was born. Um, so it was really pretty powerful. But there were so many losses that we didn't get the closure, normal closure rituals to. You know, even moving or yeah. you know just graduation right. or whatever. Um, that I feel like we're going to be mourning those losses and sort of dealing with the reverberations for quite a while. And um, yeah. we don't, I don't think we as Westerners know how to grieve well, obviously. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of the the repercussions are. Yeah. But I, I hope that we can find a way, you know, to, to sort of grieve those together and then find um, this new way to celebrate what yeah. remains together. New way to yeah. move forward. That's the hope. Scott. Don't you, we- do you think some of the hardest part has been the, the lack of embodying those rituals? I mean, yeah. 
like yeah. just even moving like we didn't even get to hug our friends mm. right we, we waved from it's the car so sad yeah and yes. so there was this Awful. aspect of like i wasn't able to bring this grief or goodbye or this closure totally. into my my physicality and mm. that so then it, i live with that tension still or that ache mm -hmm. um do you think of some of that like in some of no. the aspects of what's COVID's been doing to us Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the fact we're doing this and everything else through a screen yeah. just echoes yeah. this yeah. non-embodiment. It's really mm -hmm. sad. The lack of physicality is really sad, for yeah. sure. I like yeah. that idea, too, of the dismembering and then the remembering, sort of how those mm -hmm. are flip sides of the same coin. And, um, you know, yeah, the, the incarnational aspect of, of life and ministry and... and um, you know, it's it's. There's nothing like it. We just can't. Yeah. We we get to thankfully see each other in some semblance on these screens, but it's not the same. And no. I think, yeah, you yeah. know, the pendulum is going to swing back. I guess the other way. I hope. Yeah. I'm I'm over the Zoom. I'm over the. <laughs> I'm over like every. I'm just over. For most sure. Of everything. Well, but, if you if you can, you don't have to do it now, but just like embrace yourself and pretend that's from me. And yeah. well, that's how that's how okay, we okay, are feeling it. That we're actually oh, like hugging. So good to be with you, Scott. Thank you. I'm doing it now. Not even a side hug, just a full body. Just a full just body. Front body hug. And it's it's consensual because you did it to yourself. So there yeah, you go. so true. <laughs> so Scott, the first thing we want to talk to you about is we talk and suffer strong about redefining failure. Yeah. And specifically, we talk about how redefining failure is the opportunity to be fully known and fully loved at the mm -hmm. very same time. Mm -hmm. And your work often echoes that sentiment. Mm -hmm. So we'd love for you to speak to that. Maybe a specific even story of your own epic failure and what you learned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fa <laughs> failure is such an interesting word that I mm. think when we use it in a specific situation, we should take a pause and kind of unpack what we mean. Mm. I actually think for, for myself, I, I try to give kindness to there's two sides of the de definition of failure. There's the failure to accomplish what I had imagined that I wanted to do. Mm. But then, and this is the one that we don't pay attention to, and, I, and I'm still formulating this, so it, forgive me if it's not as concise and uh, like specific as I could be, but there's also the, like, the failure of, like, of the worst things that you haven't imagined, M meaning like hmm. you said, say you're going to do a speech. And uh, you were gonna, and you got up, and you didn't do it as well as you wanted to, and you're like, oh, I feel like a failure. But you hadn't considered like the the opposite of that failure, which is like you stayed at home, you slept in, and you didn't even get out of bed and made it to the place to mm -hmm. do the speech. Right. And so right. there's this like spectrum of failure. Huh, so what yeah, you're saying yeah. is, I landed somewhere in this like spectrum of failure that wasn't comfortable, but we. We don't really take into account, like, mm -hmm. well, it could have been worse. I mean, that is, it's not like a, it could have been worse, like, and just throwing in random stuff, but it's, right. it's, it's, it's giving you a measure of kindness. Like, you still participated and you still did things. What you're, what you're really feeling mm -hmm. is like you had an expectation that you didn't accomplish and that was your measurement of failure. Um, and so I try to, I try to imagine like all the other things that I, uh, that I, that I, that I like didn't do as well, like that I didn't do so bad. Then yeah. I was like, oh well, at least I accomplished that, or at least <laughs> I showed up for that. Yeah. Um. And 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 I know that can get very specific, like a thing, like a speech. But I think we can do that in all aspects of our life. That really, there's this kind of we have to look at our lives on kind of this like spectrum of of failure or spectrum of success, and go mm. well, where what is why am I defining it as failure, and mm -hmm. what are the what right. are um what are the things I actually mm -hmm. did find success in. And was it really that bad? Um, and that's that's how I at least give some self give myself kindness to when I think I'm in some kind of failure narrative. Um, that's great. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a specific instance. <laughs> I, I got caught up in my own speech analogy, so I'm like, is there a specific instance on like a speech that I thought wasn't so good? Maybe there was just none. You're you're all the time giving yourself kindness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, showed I, up. I love that. Uh, I mean, giving myself kindness is that's a, huge. A big practice for me, yeah. um, because I can be. I don't know if I'm like hard on, super hard on myself, but I want to be. I, I here's 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 where it is. I really want to be successful at 
being a com effective communicator. And mm -hmm. so it means a lot to me and I put a lot of preparation into it. And so when I don't feel like I nailed it, it's because I really deeply care about mm. what I'm doing. And right. so it's not like, it's not a, it's not a like beating myself down. It's going, I actually really care about this art form or this form of communicating and connecting. And mm -hmm. I want to make that happen the best, you know? So it's, right. it's out of a deep sense of love is really where the frustration comes from. Sure. So I do, I do think there can be this like perfectionism uh, that, uh, that is, that is unhelpful. And the way that I would define it is to say, and this is, I think the transition as you work in a certain kind of medium is like, you often start working for identity and then the transition is you begin to work from identity. Mm -hmm. So the activity itself is trying to fill in a thing that you feel a gap in an identity, but then usually through some kind of uh, suffering or tragedy or just like humbling of yourself. And then when you, come to know your identity, which I would say is, is the conversation with God um, about who you are, why you're here, what is all this, then your yeah. work can come from that identity. And so it's less about, oh, I'm tr I want a good speech or I want this to accomplish so I mm -hmm. can be something. Versus, oh, I know who I am, and I want to bring, I want to let it come through uh -huh. that foundational identity. Right. So that's yeah. such a good redefining, too. Yeah. And 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 what a hopeful opportunity for those of us who do care enough to try to show up with our full selves mm -hmm. to the world and to the work that we've been given, knowing that it, it might not turn out like what we thought it would, despite right. all of our best preparations yes. and efforts and intentions. But to know that there's a shift that's happened when we receive. I think that experience of, uh, yeah, an identity shift into this fullness of love and fullness of yeah. being known and to say, I don't have to try to earn that anymore. I can be and I can just let something flow from that. And again, yeah. maybe that's something different than I, I anticipated. And then yeah. I, that's okay. Um, yeah. Well, to hey, that end, though, oh, go ahead. Can, go ahead. can I sidetrack your next question? Yeah, yeah I'm, jump I'm in. I'm curious because I yeah. know <laughs> you, you all are often sharing your story, presenting, communicating yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, when you hit like those nerves or that, because everybody gets nerves before they get up, but mm -hmm. like what, are, are there things that you remind yourself or say to prepare? Like, how do you find that place from which you're going to get up and share? Because mm. I think there's this like, I know my notes. I know like you have this outside, you have this exterior mode, which is like, Here's my talk. I know where I want to go. Here's the transitions. Mm. But then there's like this interior capacity, this interior function of like, how am I doing all these things? And That's a good question. does this make sense? Yeah. And do yeah. you have like a certain, maybe like just like a mantra or statement you say, or like a prayer or something that centers mm. you on that? For sure. For, for me, I kind of psych myself up for those moments or really for anything mm -hmm. that feels difficult or nerve-wracking or anxiety-riddled that um, it's kind of a mantra and kind of uh, prayer and kind of a self-help thing. I don't know. It's all the above. But I tell myself, God made me for this stuff. God mm. made me for this stuff. And that mm. kind of like gears me up for it and helps me to kind of be in the moment of God, God got this. I'm made for this. And that yeah. really gets me there. I think, yeah, I think for me, I, it's funny. I, um, I'm probably more of the control person and the, the detail person versus Catherine's a little more, you know, she's yeah. a little more free. However, when it comes to things like showing up to share our story or, or talk to people, I sort of default to much more like what happens in the moment is what was supposed to happen. And mm -hmm. I kind of can walk, you know, like sort of walk away, like mic drop from that and just yeah, feel like true. that was totally, that's very true. a creation of art or story or whatever for whoever was there. And that was a unique, beautiful thing in the world. And bye. I'm going to go yeah. move on, you know, instead of sort yeah. of like, let me, let's watch the tape and yeah. let's like wrestle with what was good. Or, I probably could be a little more introspective in that way. But I think also what's so been so powerful from doing this for some time now is just to know there is always somebody in that audience who right. received mm -hmm. something that they were looking for. Yeah. That yeah. And it had yeah. nothing to do with manipulating it or hey, having a plant or inviting. They just... I believe God put the pieces together 
for us to find himself through each other. And we've seen it happen so many times. It's like, well, you, know, you can kind of lean into that. And like it takes the pressure off of ourselves. Mm-hmm. To that mm-hmm. end, I think in addition to always knowing there's someone who needs to hear what you're about to say, there is a sense that probably for you too, Scott, probably for mm-hmm. anyone who's remotely introspective and has perspective on the world at all, that I'm, I'm about to share on behalf of the thousands of people who will not have this shot to share. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. the the number for me, I mean, it almost makes me cry to talk about. I'm very aware that when I'm on a stage sharing a message, that there are thousands of women who mm-hmm. do not have that opportunity. Or, I mean, yeah. in my work in the disabled community, there mm-hmm. are so many, so many people who cannot speak or mm-hmm. for many, many reasons could not show up, that don't mm-hmm. have a husband who can help mm-hmm. them into the room, don't yeah. have my set of specifics. So God made me for this moment, and I get to be, I get I get to share from a place of there behind me, pushing me forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that, and that redefines the possibility of failure. I think that is it. Yeah. I mean, that is it. It's yeah. an identity yeah. switch that gets flipped. Um, mm-hmm. Well, since you don't have any failures to share, Scott. <laughs> um, yeah, you always said everything kind perfectly, of Scott. No, I'm just okay. Kidding. What, it, what, it, what do you think when you look back on your life and your work and your family and yourself? What is your, what what sticks out as this like moment or? Um, I don't know, an expression of your, your art, again, or your family or whatever, where you have this sense of pride or this coming together of all the things. Hmm. Well, it's... It, <laughs> do you have an answer to that, Scott? No, I do have an Come answer on. to that. No, well, kidding. I don't necessarily want to bypass the failure thing. I, I, I <laughs> You can. There wasn't... You know, maybe there's some things like I thought a, a piece of work of mine was going to be a much bigger deal than it was. Yeah. Um, <sighs> You know, you as authors and I am an author and I have a book coming out. There's this kind of like, I believe in this work and how do I, how do I, how does it become as big as I think it should be? For sure. Maybe won't. And you're like, that feels like failure or, Mm -hmm. and it makes you want to like not dream so big anymore. Like I have this inner critics that's like, whoa, whoa, calm down. Just have like simple expectations. But then you're like, why would I want to live a life with low (laughs) expectations? That sounds... You know, so then there's yes. this like mm. risk of loving and caring that can feel like failure when it doesn't work out. Um, I, I think what uh, what I learned from so I had this moment, and this is a bit of a catalyst for this show that I do called Say Yes, where I talk about it. Where um, I put my kids to bed one night, and I walked into my living room, and I was crying. And mm. I, it wasn't because we had like a magic bedtime story time. It was just I don't know. And I I tried to stop, and I couldn't, and it became deeper and deeper. And then I went to our only bathroom in the house and I sat on the toilet and I cried for an hour. And later on talking with my wife, like my wife found me, she's like, are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? I was like, I don't know what this is. Like my tears Mm -hmm. are me talking about it. And then I I realized like what was happening with some time from that moment was like, oh, I'm uh, like a dream is dying in me. And Mm -hmm. I'm grieving the loss of that dream and that desire. And the desire was, the dream was, I was like, oh, I'm almost, I I was 39 at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm almost 40. And I'm just finally figuring out who I want to be in the world. And I, Mm -hmm. and I like, for me, I was like, I wish I knew at 18, because what was I doing the last 20 years? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so there was this like expectation on who I thought I could be or should have been and the reality of where I found myself. Mm -hmm. And I could have just said like, well, life stinks. Let's just open a bottle to numb that pain Mm -hmm. night after night. And and, well, and I'll, (laughs) not that there wasn't any alcohol, but like, (laughs) but I, I, uh, I also then went like, well, what's stopping me from going forward? Cause there was this deep desire and, and what's been, um, What's been revelatory for me is to find that even in the in the Christian tradition that I'm a part of is this this actual roadmap 
of desire this 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 um like the jesuits have it like mm -hmm. saint ignatius talked about that god speaks the loudest about your life your calling your vocation in the world through your desires now that takes discernment because desires can lead us to destruction but they also lead us to flourishing so there's a right. there's this discerning yeah, process yeah. but like but god is speaking through this pathway of desire that's in you mm -hmm. and that um prayerfully and intentionally has uh transformed my life because then it it um it's not always like crystal clear but it it helps to get to like the inner compass like i actually have some like spiritual practices that i do that mm -hmm. just um that just help me like pay attention to the compass whenever i feel lost or say right. like in this season when uh like my calendar went away uh, my like schedule yeah, went away. Yeah, we feel ya. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I found myself in this time going, well, is, is, is my career a failure hmm. or are things happening to me that are outside of my control? But what could I do in this time? And, and how do I get in touch with that deep desire that's like, okay, for me, like I've, I've really wanted to grow as a performer. I want to keep doing things that has to be laid aside in the, in the way that I was used to for the next year or however long, we really don't know. There's mm -hmm. it's, that's, and that's some of the uncomfortablenesses yeah. you're like, right there. I was, I have some friends visiting uh, and in Austin, there's this uh, music venue right off the freeway, this big like stadium. And bef when we moved here, Chris Stapleton was supposed to play this November and now it's like next November. So there's always this like sign. It's like Chris Stapleton, November, 2021. <laughs> and I'm like, 2021, that's so far. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's, it's this reminder. It's, I don't mm. know. I just always see it. I'm like, how hopeless is that? Like <laughs> yeah, you won't get to go see music <laughs> for year. another year. You know, yeah, yeah. and it's not even, I don't even really, I like Chris. I don't even, yeah, I'd go see Chris Stapleton, but it's not even that because it's like, <laughs> Hey Scott, you might not be able to perform right. till November. Right. 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 And, and that's malleable too. So, so there's a lot of like failure, quote unquote failure, but then, paying attention to the desire is to go, oh, okay, well, what would I do instead? And and noticing those other things. And so you mentioned it before, redefining failure is, is maybe like, well, the things I expected to be able to do have ended, but what what is the conversation or what is the work or what is the life I could do now mm -hmm. be by being in this situation? Right. And that has forced me to like look at stuff that I was too busy to get to because mm -hmm. of traveling all the time. Yeah. Um, I have I, in the last couple of months, I've really had to work on some foundational heart and mind stuff, like digging it in with my spiritual director and some mm -hmm. other coaches and counselors and stuff, just things. I was like, Oh, I need to work on that, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and now I'm super grateful for that time. Cause I would have been so busy. I would have ignored that stuff. Mm. Right. Um, so that, that kind of, spiritual practice of paying attention to your desires and going, this is where the spirit is. This is where the divine is speaking to me mm -hmm. um, uh, really helps. And if I could share sure, like sure. one of my freaky spiritual practices, it's called in less poetic terms, it's called the death practice, oh, which yeah. is yeah. you, you simply, um, you should do it where you're by yourself because mm -hmm. uh, it's weird to do publicly, but you should find <laughs> a space where you're by yourself and then lay on the ground. Just mm -hmm. lay as, as best you can. Just lay on the ground on your back and pretend that you're in your coffin. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm an Enneagram four. Nice. So this is, I love, I love all the morbid stuff. <laughs> no, but it's just like, pretend that you're in your coffin and you're about to move on to whatever's next out of this. But before you do, you have to let go of everything you've ever been given. That is the process of dying. That is the scariest thing of dying is, hmm. is the letting go. Mm -hmm. So just, just slowly, even start with small things, just slowly start letting things go. Like uh, your memories, your loves, your functionalities, your dreams, all just let them go. Give them gratitude. Like, thank you for those experiences. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that time I lived in France. And thank you for the kids I have. And, you know, these things and, and let them go. And what happens is in that letting go, that deep desire that's in you will slowly come to the surface. So I do this a lot, maybe in less intense mm, ways, but yeah. 
when um, say like somebody's like, would you work on this project? It's going to take the next six months. It's going to take a lot of your time. It's this much money. I'll do a mini version. Yeah, like of I got, I got to get in the coffin real quick. Yeah, I do a mini version. Not to go. I just go. If this was the last thing I worked on, and then I died, right. would that be okay? Be and nice. I know that's a little yeah. bit intense to put on that. But, but what happens if I if I go? Oh, I'd be okay with that. Okay, great. Maybe it's something I should consider. But if I'm like, no, then it's like, well, why no? Why well, want? I've always wanted to do this, and and then it goes. Oh well, why have you not been doing that? Mm, if that's mm-hmm. the deepest thing in you, why are you not giving any time for that? Mm-hmm. And then that's that's, that's then good. you're like, oh, there's the conversation I need to have. Right. That helped. I'm like, there's the compass that, that I lost sight of. And so that is a that's helpful powerful. practice for me and just kind of paying attention to this inner compass. I would say that's like, at least I've learned over the decades of my life that that's kind of where the spirit's always, I'm trusting this inner compass. I'm trusting the spirit that's involved with my life, mm-hmm. life, this co-creator, this God that's involved and leading me, you know, totally. any, any thoughts on that? Do you, does that resonate with you? First of all, <laughs> you are truly an Enneagram four. Like, <laughs> I'm going to reiterate that. As an Enneagram three, I do not, um, Get in a coffin every day. Um, however, I see the tremendous value in that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have been very fascinated in redefining is this fear of of death, of the mm. unknown, of mm-hmm. this this element that we probably all should get into the coffin every day a bit and recognize what what is that about. What are we yeah. so scared of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe it is tied into we haven't been able to fully give over things. And I think what is so cool about what you're saying is to to cultivate a deep gratitude for it. Yeah. Is there's mm-hmm. a, yeah. a deep thankfulness to God for all the gifts that are in our life. It's really being super introspective, which is so Enneagram for you. I love it. <laughs> I want some of that. Oh, for I know. Sure. I was going to say, neither of us are that introspective, which is interesting. And maybe it's just because of our personalities or like our coping mechanism. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's definitely this season, as you reference, has required or at least invited the world into a different kind of introspection um Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not and i think that's i I mean as much of the tension as anything has probably been because of that you know yeah it's a it has been like a whether you like it or not you're going to have have to to sit here and look in the mirror and I, i i think for people um you know like us who have experienced that kind of life and death mm-hmm. um part of our story early on in a way um, it has given us that same experience as that practice of, of as you referenced, being in what you call it. I'm calling it the wrong thing, like in the casket, or what did you call it? The I death. Just, it, uh, my one of my spiritual director just told me he just called it the death practice. Death and, practice, and I just kind of call it great. a death practice. I'm botching. Um, you the can word do it on various levels, but just even going today could be the last day. Yeah. How would you reorient today to in you know right. It, 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 what it's doing is it's mirroring the opposite, which is look at the gift of life you have. Right. It's not trying to be morbid. It's no. trying to, it's, it's, it's no. actually like going, they're flip sides at, of the same. First is it, isn't today a miracle? Yeah. What, right. how, how, what, what do kind of, that? how would you enjoy your miracle today? Right. And right. That, that's where Absolutely. it pushes me. No, it's so powerful. Yeah. No. yeah. And I think, yeah, we've in, in a way we're given that opportunity when we had this happen to us at 26 you know, which mm-hmm. in, in most uh, people's eyes looks like the biggest tragedy. It's not as much mm-hmm. of a tragedy when you have a stroke at 86. I mean, it's sad, but it's different when it's 26 and when there's this possibility of the, of a future life that is cut short or, or upended. And yet, I think what we found is that suffering and that uh, sort of pulling the veil off young suffering. early in yeah. our life, young suffering, uh, gave us this different orientation towards looking yeah. at the miracle of it and what we are going to do with it. And if we think this is really a second chance that right. we were given yeah. for some reason, um, we don't want to waste it. And we want yeah. those desires to come up to the top. And I think to that end, I, I, I wanted to know your thought on that track of desires, but then also the track of wounding, right? Like mm. sometimes those are... Um, the line is kind of blurred between them because the the deepest wounding is often in, at a place of of our longing or expectation or what we you know 
Like those mm. are the ones that are the hardest to get over and, and, and yeah. heal from even. And um, yeah, I just wonder some of your thoughts on, and again, we've talking about fear, failure, um, yeah. sort of this redefining, but like in the place of our wounding, what have you found maybe in the place of your own wounds um, mm. in terms of your calling, in terms of your um, sort of this opportunity to to lean into that and longing for healing in the midst of it too. There's a lot that wasn't even a, a coherent question, but you, I think. Yeah. No, I mean going. you're right. I well, no, you don't need to lead me anymore. Like I, yeah, I'm in wounding. Um, in uh, my upcoming book, Honest Advent, hmm. uh, I have one of my meditations is talking about vulnerable. Well, the whole thing is kind of about human vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ways I start talking about it is like, if you like every human relationship really connects in vulnerability or weakness, like you, when you can meet people and like even a stranger and talk for a while and maybe talk about all your triumphs and great and trophies and all that stuff. Mm. But eventually like somebody will eventually say something that didn't go right for them or Mm. some kind of wounding and the other person. And like where we deeply connect as people is where we find we're walking yes. with a limp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? so true. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and I actually, I think you could also bring that spiritually into your own walk. Um, we often view our weakness or our vulnerability as, um, as something to be ashamed of because we feel shame or we feel guilt by our weakness or our vulnerability. But what we tend to believe is those things are walls keeping us from God, but they're actually the doorways to connecting mm. with God. Yeah. And, um, and that is what the magic of kind of not, is the wonder of Christ's incarnation is participating in that same vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. when yes. we like had Mexican food in Atlanta <laughs> together and you were talking that, which is a wonderful experience, super but rica. yeah, super rica. And you were <laughs> You know, I know you've written and talked about this, but we just talked about where you're like, we had to, we, we, a miracle did happen in our lives, but it wasn't necessarily the miracle we wanted, but it was the miracle we got. And right. I, I think about that statement a lot. Um, so you guys have had a great impact on me in that way, but because I, I think what uh, it's again, kind of with the failure and things, it's like, I expected it to go this way, but it didn't, but it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. there isn't some kind of miracle happening. And, right. And very, so, very complex spiritually for mm, me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, long. yeah. And so wounding, I mean, we could go with the metaphor of wounding, like either in a fighter, but often it feels like it, it's maybe a time when your your protective armor was down and somebody got in on you. Mm-hmm. You let your vulnerability show and they got you. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, it was something that was done to you or maybe something that wasn't, you weren't prepared for. And so mm-hmm. there could be this hurt and this wanting to close off. But, right. um, and Henry Nowen talks about this extensively in Wounded Healer, but and I think we see that represented in the life and work of Jesus also mm-hmm. is a, a, a risen king who still has these scars, mm-hmm. these, you know, who was wounded. And so we, I think we're invited to go, for one, this hurts and don't gloss over mm-hmm. it or like, don't take it seriously. Like it hurts. Like your woundedness hurts and there's probably healing that needs to happen. But also these woundedness becomes a way in which we can then connect with others. Mm -hmm. Just like how you referenced before, Catherine, you were like, when I get up on stage, I'm not thinking of myself. I I mean, I am, but I'm also thinking about all the other people I know who I can represent in this moment. We have this particular connection with, and then I like I'm connected to these people. And I think we can, um, like my oldest son has a degenerative eye disease that yes. there's no cure for. Yes. And um, he will slowly have diminishing eyesight over his lifetime. And uh, when when I, we found that news out, uh, it's, and it's a specific like pain for a parent, like, <laughs> like admittingly, I was at in a part in my relationship with him where I was really annoyed by him. I know you're not supposed to admit that of parents, but sometimes like you have seasons with your children where you're like, I find, oh, you, for very, sure. I find you very annoying. Oh, for right sure. Now. Like, for sure. <laughs> like I love you, but yeah. I don't necessarily like you. Right. right. And, and I actually had been thinking like, man, we really haven't connected because I'm super annoyed with you. Hmm. And then when we got that news from the doctor, I, it's like this 
it like I cracked open mm. and, and I remember thinking like I was not aware of the underground well that had been slowly filling and filling because when it cracked it I just like oh. the waterworks would not oh. stop mm. I remember two days later I was flying and I was had to go through Denver and I was just I was just weeping in the Denver airport, just like walking to my next terminal, Mm. just tears like coming down my face. And people must have been like, whoa, I know turbulence is bad here. (laughs) That must have been really bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't, I couldn't stop weeping. Um, And uh, that particular woundedness, um, you know, when I started talking about it, this community of other wounded parents mm. of who have children with incurable diseases came around my wife and I, and oh, we yeah. connected in all of these ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, it is through our woundedness that we find one another mm. and, and, and it can form this community. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the superpowers of your woundedness, and, and, and again, not to diminish it, not that we seek it, it will happen to you. It's part of your human experience, but uh, it can. It, it is something that allows you to go. I am not. I'm not invincible, and I can get hurt. And I need to know that aspect of myself, and mm-hmm. and I need to heal and 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 understand and participate in the process of that. But also, this opens me up to this invisible community of other wounded people mm-hmm. in the same way as me that I never was able to yeah. connect oh, with until absolutely. now. Oh, absolutely. We resonate with that. Mm-hmm. You've been to Hope yeah. Hills Camp. You know, you know our I people. Have. Absolutely. That's our world. Yeah. And what's interesting, yeah. too, is we, um, you know, part, I think, of the, as you've referenced, um, embracing of that alternative miracle <laughs> that we found ourselves living with. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like all of the... Um, answered prayers or the visions or the whatever people saw of Catherine's post-stroke life and recovery. Yeah. And it took a couple of years to realize, wait, who was, who was wrong? Like, was, were they lying? Like, was God lying? Who, who mm-hmm. heard it right or wrong? Like, I thought healing was supposed yeah. to look like this. Right. And it doesn't. Yeah. Yes. And what, you know, what do we do with that? And yet I think what was so profound after a while, we stopped wishing for Catherine to, get out of the wheelchair or stop praying that one day she'll, you know, be back to normal, quote unquote, when we began encountering people who were in wheelchairs and who were struggling and whose story looked kind of like ours. And there was this all of a sudden sort of camaraderie that it wasn't just sort of this dissociative, this bad thing happened to me and I'm going to be back to how it was before and see you later. See you never. Yeah. Right. It was like, actually, you're my people. (laughs) Like you get, yeah. you get this woundedness, this pain, this longing, uh, maybe more than a lot of other people in my life. And mm-hmm. there's this fast forwarded sort of opportunity, not only for relationship, but for healing together, because all of a yeah. sudden it's like, we're not, I'm not so alone in this sort of wilderness wondering like what, what, what will be of this weird non-miracle, but now I think I see it as a miracle. Right. Again. And, yeah. and yeah. was the initial like saving of my life, me living mm-hmm. the miracle. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't look in many ways like, uh, like the miracle girl, but maybe I am. Maybe the fact that I'm living a disabled life is the miracle. Yeah. But then mm. maybe it's the miracle of finding purpose to that life. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of miracles happening around us. Well, is about we, the size of it. Often we're looking for that <laughs> one that hasn't shown up yet, and we're missing the one right in front of us. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And so we're looking attention. for like the levitating over the ground or <laughs> right. the waters separating. <laughs> mm-hmm. When, yeah, when there's a lot of other things that are like fairly miraculous, uh-huh. like just even. <laughs> like in in my show, say yes. I just say it took a really long time and incalculable odds for all of you to just be here, mm. right? And like that, in amazing. a way, is like a miracle. Yeah, yeah oh, for sure. You know, speaking of that, we and speaking of sort of this communal connection through our woundedness, um, mm-hmm. Scott, as we referenced, came to Hope Hills Camp. So you were in Portland at the time mm-hmm. living, and then you came all the way to. Basically, rural Alabama, Alabama, which I don't know if you've been there before. I did, were you scared a little bit, or were you? What did you feel? <laughs> I love when our I, I love when our it, West Coast friends like come to Alabama. I just I love, it. It's I love it. I love it. I love it. 
It was delightful. Good. Oh. Yes. The South has it. many charms. I um, mean, it was, yeah, it was well. the summertime. So it's, it's very hot. It was hot. It's putting, it's not putting its best face forward, <laughs> but it, it was great. Right. Was great. Yeah. Well, no, but it's... what was so um, powerful for us as your work has, has just illuminated so many uh, transformational things in our spiritual life and um, in our relationship and our family. And um, it, it was so cool to be able to share that with our people. And um, many of whom didn't hadn't known you or known your work. We've since yeah. shared their uh, shared um, some of your incredible books with them, and and they're big fans now. But yeah. I love that you know. Um, I still talk with some of them. Oh, just do you? Oh, like, they amazing. message me and we talk. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I loved it. That, but I mean, the your experience um, that prompted say yes, which is about not giving up on yourself and the life you've been given and the, and the struggle really and the wounds that you've received mm-hmm. and maybe the things that you failed at or didn't work out like you thought, like not saying no, mm-hmm. but saying yes to those. And I think for our families who are walking through disability, some of whom, you know, it's their child who they just mm-hmm. didn't expect their life to look like this, or it's their own self or their spouse who had some issue happen that changed yeah, everything. Yeah. But for you to speak over those words to them, that that they have permission to say yes to the life that they've been given right in front of them, that there's losses to right. be mourned, but that there is something yes. there that is worth showing yeah. up for was was profound. And so I think, again, that, that demonstrates, you know, your story was a little different, right? Your experience <laughs> yeah. of just like, you know, coming to that realization was different, but um, yeah, something about that thread of struggle and hopeful overcoming in the midst of it, um, I don't know if there's anything that speaks more deeply to just the human mm. soul. So thank you for that. And also just, yeah, uh, you know, that opportunity to heal, the healing that even happened in that space during that time, the the laughter, you know, I mean, so many people yeah. talked about, they just yeah. hadn't, like they hadn't laughed in a long yeah. time. Right. And what yeah. a gift that even is. Something so yeah. simple, just wonder, laughter. You talk about those elements a lot um, that we yeah. overlook sort of as if they're not worthy of sort of serious conversation or something. And yeah. I love how you weave well, I, those it, together. Such, there's such companions that um, as a as a budding and practicing communicator, uh, <laughs> I mean, admittingly, here as friends with other listeners involved, like I, I'm always like, why? I, there's a part of me that thinks I should try to, I'm like, why am I not trying to do comedy? Like, I don't know. Like, it's like a, because I love <laughs> comedy and I love the what's going on uh-huh. in it. Um, and that might be, um, that's something I'm always like considering, but I'm also like, I don't, but it's always also not everything that I want. Like I, because what I see is that life is this weird mixture of like comedy and sick, sacred mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about like, like Christian comedy, which is fine, <laughs> right. you know, like, I know, like, but I'm saying like, there's kind of, when we get to comedy, almost like comedy, like tragedy, like there's this, mm-hmm. there's this kind of like cosmic joke that we hit upon that's a little despairing, but it makes us giggle. Mm-hmm. And then yet there's this also sacred joke too. That's like, but I think God's also in this midst. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, I, I love, it's already in the Bible. It's when God comes to Abraham and Sarah, he's like, you're going to have a baby in your old age. And Sarah's like, <laughs> that's funny. You know, like that <laughs> yeah. laugh, right. that laugh is like, <laughs> what you talking about Willis? And that laugh is like, don't bring up, the pain of an old woman who never got to have kids. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, it's both and mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. That joke, that laughter is, uh, pun intended, pregnant with pain yeah. and, and right. disbelief. For sure. And, and budding belief mm-hmm. all at the same time. And I think like the way that I would like to be a communicator, the way mm-hmm. I hope to be and try to do is to, is to have both of those there alongside so we can go, hey, we, and we have some dead dreams in the room, but we could laugh at some things <laughs> mm-hmm. too because, right. because that actually exhumes like this kind of full capacity of our human experience and lets us then be, get really in touch with the conversation we're trying to have with God mm. in our lives and stuff. So, oh, it's so yeah, so necessary mm-hmm. and so healing. I mean, to hold, to acknowledge both, both. and to, and to experience both together. And you do that yeah. so well. Um, mm. Last, last sort of thought um, in terms of your mm-hmm. spiritual uh, practices, which, you know, you've, I guess been under spiritual direction 
for a long time. That's been part mm-hmm. of your rhythms, and you've um, uh, and I'm a spiritual director. And you are a spiritual now, director now yourself. Mm-hmm. Cool. So tell us what um, outside of the death practice, what practice would you leave <laughs> us with um, that's been really healing or helpful to you? Maybe even in this most recent season, have uh, have you experienced sort of some rhythm um, in the spiritual formation and walk that we could we hmm. can borrow from you? That's a great question. Um, so bravo, great question. <laughs> yeah, this hasn't been ever polished up in like some printed or spoken material, but um, you know what? I've, I've been experimenting uh, with in my prayer life, where I hear where where the where the flow of conversation is, and one of the things that I have been that has been helpful for me that's been getting me out of this kind of like. <laughs> dark demise of COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like what besides the devastating effects of an illness that has affected hundreds of thousands of people, uh, it also it just makes like every day like a kind of why? Why are we gonna do today? Hmm. And I really had it's it's kind of getting back to our desires, but I had to start um I would try to pr- like gratitude wasn't working. Um I mean, gratitude always works in a way, but like it wasn't opening the door to a, I wasn't getting the dance with the spirit. Mm. And then like I, what I've been doing is like getting up early and I just walk around my neighborhood and just kind of walk with God. And um, the place that opened up the conversation was like God going, what do you want now? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what do you want? Because I actually think like wanting is living. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't want anything you don't really want life. Mm. And I, when we hear want, we have been so programmed because we live in a, a consumeristic mm. culture that we just go, you mean like cars? You know, mm. it's like, <laughs> well, maybe, but like what's what's the want behind the mm. car? You know, mm-hmm. who is the person you want to be that could get a car like that? Mm-hmm. It's like, what is the life that you want that that car would enable? Like there's the right. want behind the want of behind course, the want. Yeah. And, uh, I was really confronted that all the things I wanted ended uh, because of a global pandemic mm. right. and what I needed to do to resuscitate getting through life was I needed to start wanting again mm-hmm. in maybe other ways that were, were available, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I had to start like listing and really talking through those things. And that has been a practice of like, want or des- mm. maybe if want's a dirty word for you, you say desire or, you know, yeah, like, but I just was like, wanting is living. And if, right. and um, so I was like, I need to want again. And why, and then, and go, why do you not want? Mm. Like, what is the, what's holding you back from wanting mm-hmm. things, you know? You're afraid. And, yeah. and, and maybe it's like the pain of having a dream end. Might not get it. Uh, yeah. And so you're mm-hmm. protecting yourself. So there's, there's all that kind of stuff. Mm. But that, that right. for me has been like, I, it's right here. <laughs> Your want here's list? My, here's, here's my want list. It's right here on my desk. That's good. And I constantly go over hmm. it, like every day, just kind of check in with it. Of just, and, and it, because it, it goes, um, it goes, there is other possibilities that I can see right now. Mm-hmm. And there right. are ways that things will open up and, 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 and to live, to live life uh, is full of disappointment, but it's also full of wonderful beautiful things that happen and so i want i want those you know mm. and that and that has that has been very invigorating to uh, as a daily practice to just <laughs> stick with it because yeah thanks gavin for identifying me as it identifying me as a deep four because as a deep four that inner eeyore it can just like be yeah. Yeah. like i don't i don't want to do anything today you know right <laughs> like that is that is a daily battle for me so i i have to address Hmm. That like okay, well, what would get you out of bed? Yeah, that's what I did. What's, that's what I did. You know what? What I'll end on is just um, what's so powerful is your work has uh, all the sacrifice that you put into it, all the time, the effort, the years, um, the intentionality, the practice has uh, been thrown out into the world, and mm-hmm. we're getting to whether or not you feel like you want to or not. People, because of what you have offered, um, are. Re- redefining, I guess, what they want absolutely in this world and how they want to it's live to, and find it's God. It's to our be. benefit. Um, Everything, so, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. I'm just struck by that. That you know, as I, you're up in the neighborhood trying to figure out, you know, if gratitude's not working or right. whatever. You know, right. we're like 
we're reading and looking at your um, sort of visual lectio and receiving mm-hmm. right here so in powerful, our neighborhood. Um, yeah, about yeah, about yeah, what we want and what we want of God and what uh, what we're to do in this life, Absolutely. as long or short as it as it is. And so, thank you mm-hmm. just for that. Yeah, just the ripple effect. Oh, you're welcome, Scott. Will you tell us the name of your new book and where yeah. people can find you and find it? Yeah, it's called. Honest Advent, Awakening to the Wonder of God with us then, here, and now. Mm. And it is a book for the Advent season, although uh, the, all the, most of the people who've read it so far have like, yeah, it's kind of a book about just life. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily, it's not like a Christmas book. It's more of a book right. about living. It's just looking at the incarnation as the filter of oh, it's meditating yeah. on that story as kind of drawing that out. Yeah, we know. Um, we know. You know, we endorse it. I know. It, you so endorse it. Yeah. We're big fans. <laughs> and it is not just a Christmas book. It is a no. year-round uh, Absolutely. meditation. Yeah. And when we talk about incarnation, too, you know, we talk about that in light of disability and limitation yep. and struggle mm-hmm. of just that God did something to say, like, all of those are valid and those are dignified and your limits, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've come so that we can bust through sort of the limitation ultimately, but for now we sit with that um, sort of yeah. that communion together in that, and yeah. that is that's yeah. that changes everything. So thanks for it does it does. You're welcome. To- I mean, it was my trying to save my love of Christmas uh, that <laughs> right. had dwindled, and uh, yeah, it comes mm-hmm. out soon in October 20th, and available everywhere. Honestadvent.com is where you can find all the things. Incredible. Oh, good. Okay. Can't wait for yeah. it to live on our. Coffee table. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Well, there's, there's one coming in the mail. You should get it next week. Can't wait. So, oh, we're yeah, excited. Yeah, ready. We appreciate you. We love you. Thanks for what yeah, you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, this has been wonderful, Scott. Thank oh, you. Honored to be on your second season of your podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we're honored to have you. We'll keep going, buddy. Talk to okay. you later. Yeah. We've always been inspired by how Scott holds the comedy and tragedy of life in such graceful tension. In our conversation, Scott said that all true human connection starts in vulnerability and in weakness. What a beautiful way to reframe failure as an opportunity to connect with other people and to God. When we trust that God can use any wound, failure included, for our ultimate healing, we can live in the freedom both to fail and to spectacularly succeed. And sometimes those two things aren't diametrically opposed, but rather parts of one whole. May we all live into the truth that we are worthy of being repaired, of being fully known and fully loved, even in failure. You can find more from brilliant Scott Erickson on Instagram at Scott the Painter and in his new book, Honest Advent. You can find more on these themes in our book, Suffer Strong, and more helpful, hope-filled resources at hopeheals.com.